you'll turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6. We're continuing our uh, series on law and grace and communion, just seeing how, how God's law, the Ten Commandments, fits with the gospel and with uh, the Lord's Supper. Uh, we have been doing this uh, each communion service, and we will until we finish the Ten Commandments. Now, many of you have uh, already asked me how was the trip. Um, we just returned, uh, a number of us, from Israel, and after 26 hours of travel, uh, got back yesterday afternoon, and uh, I am blessed to have, have been there, and I promise you uh, that you will hear, uh, no doubt for years, uh, illustrations, things that uh, I saw and so on. Uh, in fact, uh, on Friday, uh, we stood in an area they call the Garden Tomb, and that is one of the uh, places that it's very possible that they laid Jesus' body, and uh, there is a tomb there, and many people feel like that's, that's where it was, and we, we had communion there, and it was special. But I want to make this very clear. One of the things that, uh, that I learned in the trip and, and went there fully believing and, and believe it every bit as much is that uh, though you get to see a number of historic places and, and that type of thing, and it's wonderful to do if you have the opportunity, there's nothing magical about that place. You don't have to go there in order to be a good follower of Christ. And that's one of the glorious freedoms of what it is to be a Christian. We don't believe it's about a place. And so, although it was indeed a special communion service, even as I stood there, I thought about today. And that that's the glory of what Jesus did on the cross is that we didn't have to go find him somewhere that wherever we are, he is with his people. And so today, as we in a few minutes celebrate the Lord's Supper, it has the very same meaning and every bit as much impact as if we were in the garden tomb or, or anywhere else in this world that God created. Let me read to you from Ephesians 6, and we'll begin with the fifth verse. It says this, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free Masters, do the same to them. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours 
is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. And in Exodus 20, it says, you shall not steal. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, as we approach your table, we thank you for your word. And we pray that you would teach us where we need to, will you convict us? Where we need to change, will you give us your grace and strength to change? And Lord, where we need to know you, will you open our hearts so that we can know you? And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And I want to ask you a, a question. And I, I want you to raise your hand, and it's okay. I know we're Presbyterians, but when I say it's okay to raise your hand, you can raise your hand, okay? How many of you in this room have ever been robbed? Raise your hand if you've... Look at that. That's more than I thought. Well, let me, let me speak to the rest of you who have not been robbed. And there were some, and you can be thankful for that. I think that most of those who raised their hand would tell you this about being robbed. And, of course, there are all kinds of circumstances and, and so on. But I think they would tell you it was really a weird feeling. I felt violated. It, it was strange to me to think that somebody had my stuff and they were using it or they had sold it. Some might say it, it made it so every time I walked in whatever place was robbed, in my case, I've had two of my offices have been robbed. Now, I, I always think, what a letdown to walk into an office and see just a bunch of books, you know, and they, they took none of my books. <laughs> but it, it was still weird. And, and I had very, very little uh, in terms of things that were taken from me. But I've known people that have really struggled. For, for some, it's just made the whole place that was robbed a different place for them. Now, that may be a little hard to understand, but if you've been robbed, I think many of you will probably affirm that. I would suggest to you that the reason we have that feeling sometimes when we go through being robbed, our things being taken, I would suggest that that's because it's against the way God made it to be. In other words, there's an order that he puts into place, and when that's violated, it, it's going to cause difficulty within us and certainly within whoever is the violator. Now, when you saw this, those of you that have been going through this series and you saw You Shall Not Steal, probably some of you thought, oh good, here's one finally that I haven't violated, okay? Okay. 
I hope most of you thought that. I, I, I saw this, not this week, but the previous week when I was preparing this, from uh, Bill Cooper, who is uh, the, the president of Christian Net. He said this, stealing is a sin, but as Christians we are to repent and sin no more. But his company did a survey. Almost half of those surveyed admitted to stealing something after they had become children of God. Now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. No, I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> But that surprised me. It goes on. They had 500 Christians surveyed. 48% of the survey uh, takers admitted to stealing. Some felt they needed it. Others in the group stole, but we're not sure why they did. I don't know why. I guess I was just greedy. The most common reason given for theft, however, was succumbing to temptation. In other words, it was there. I had the opportunity, and so I took it. Uh, there was just too much temptation. I saw the wallet lying there with no one around, and I took it, was one Christian's response. Now, most felt very remorseful for what they had done and did repent of their sin. Okay, so what is that order? When I, when I say I think it's violation of uh, the order that God has laid out, uh, the, what I'm talking about is that ownership is an ordinance of God. He put it into place. The fact that he said, if there's no ownership, then there's no stealing. But the fact that we are told not to steal says that owning things is a part of how we will live this life. So the, the right to private property is something that God has ordained. Now, from a Christian perspective, we need to always talk about ownership beginning from that perspective. And, and you may say, well, I, I understand stealing's not, not good and, and it's bad. The reason we're going to start with this foundation is that I don't want you ever to think that God just came up with 10 rules, that he's the, the great rule maker. That's not how God works. It's way bigger than that. <clears throat> if he boiled it down to these 10, that means they go a lot farther than we think they go into our lives. And so we need, we need to understand that. So let, let's talk about it. And, and as, from a Christian perspective, we should never talk about ownership without starting with who is the owner of all things. And that's God himself. Psalm 89. The heavens are yours. This verse 11. The earth also is yours. The world and all that is in it, you have founded them. Now, since, he, since he's the owner, he's the creator, that makes him the owner. As the owner, that gives him the right to govern. By the way, that also means if he's the owner of everything, if you're stealing from the one that he has ordained 
that it belongs to that person, then who else are you stealing from? You get it? You're stealing from the one who's the ultimate owner, not just the renter, <laughs> not this, just the one who's leasing whatever we happen to own. So even though he owns everything, God permits us to have legitimate ownership. Now, there, there are basically, as I see it in the Scripture, there's two ways that legitimately you can own things. One is inheritance. Scripture talks about that. 2 Corinthians 12, 14. He says this, I will not be a burden, for I seek not what is yours, but you. For children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. I don't get an amen from your children. <laughs> so it, it talks about it here. Now, that's a New Testament reference. If you go back to uh, Numbers 36, it's, it talks about inheritance uh, for God's people and so on. So inheritance... The reason I say that is because I find that sometimes people feel uh, either embarrassed or feel guilty about inheritance that they may receive. And then there's the other end of it where people are mad because they didn't get their inheritance. Well, here's how it works. If you receive inheritance in a legitimate way, it's something just to thank God for. It is a way that he may desire to provide for you. But you know what? If your parents use up all their money, that's okay. They don't owe that to us. So understand both ends of inheritance. So that's that's one way. The second way to legitimately obtain possessions is labor. Um, that's the obvious one. Ephesians 4.28 says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, I want you to get, don't miss that last phrase. He's telling the thief to... Uh, quit stealing, start working, and then he says, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Do you see how different from a Christian perspective ownership is? It doesn't say, go out and start working so that you can in, in, in just enjoy it and use it up, and, and that can be your whole goal is to obtain more and more things. He says... Quit stealing. Go out in labor so that not only are you providing for yourself, but you can help others. See, that's, that's, that's how radically different Christianity is from the way most people in our world look at it. Okay, so those are the basis for ownership. Let's, let's get back to the command. Stealing is a violation of the ordinance of ownership. Stealing is, uh, I would define it uh, as the unlawful taking or obtaining of property. In other words, it's not given as a gift. Uh, we don't do anything to earn it. 
Now, let's look at several categories in the Scripture where that's, that's fleshed out, um, fit under that category of stealing. One would be the category of laziness. Laziness. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. You know, our uh, tour guide over in Israel, I can't remember if he said this to the whole group or in a conversation that I had with him, but he was talking about how, how over there you, you don't see homeless people, basically. He said, here's, here's why. You've, you've got, you have to work. And if you lose your job and you go to the government for assistance, uh, you, will be a, uh, you will get assistance, but you have to take the job that's available. So, I, you know, I don't know if that goes clear back to the, you know, the, the Judeo-Christian perspective, but it certainly fits at least, saying you, you got to work. Uh, you know, we'll help you, but here's a job. And that means if it's a job that, you know, was less than the job you were doing before, that's okay from the, their government's perspective. And so here in the, in the, in the Scripture, it's, it's saying that, that that's not an option, really, ordinarily. Now, understanding the context here, the context uh, of this is they thought Jesus was coming back again soon. And that's a good thing. They thought he was coming back, but their application was bad. In other words, saying he's coming back, Therefore, what's the point of working? And so he's teaching them and saying, look, yeah, he's coming back. But the application of that is work. Work until he does. And so he, he strikes right at uh, you know, the heart of those that would want to use their theology or any other reason for uh, being unwilling to work. Uh, a second common way of stealing uh, in the Scripture is basically that of waste. Proverbs 18, verse 9 says, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. Waste of your gifts, waste of blessings that you've been given, or the selfish use of them, misuse of them, disuse of them, in other words, not using them, all of those are a waste and have to do with this bigger command of not stealing. Now, I, I worked for... Uh, seven years for the government while I was going through college and seminary. And I worked for Farmer's Home Administration. Uh, I can't speak for all of government. I can only speak for 
the little area where I worked. The waste and wasteful people, the theft. Uh, part of the time I worked in a warehouse there supplying the offices all over the country. And, uh, you know, if they'd had some kind of a, a metal detector leaving the building or whatever, or, you know, theft detector, most of the people in there would have been under arrest because they would take, you know, any, everything from the, the pens to papers to staplers to big things. And, uh, and, and not only did they take them, but everybody there knew they were taking them. And not only did everybody know, but basically they justified it. They said, well, we're not getting paid that much. Or, well, we're taxpayers, so we really bought this in the first, you know, that some of them would do those, those gymnastics in terms of their own sin. And so as a, you know, they called me the Rev, you know, because they knew I was going to uh, seminary. And because of that, because I knew how they were looking at me, I tried to be so scrupulous that if I accidentally took a pen home one night, I would, I'd bring it back the next day. Now, I never told them, you know, here's the pen. I, you know, I wasn't stealing it or anything. But I did that just so I, you know, I, I could honestly say, no, I, you know, I'm not going to steal. That's, that's wrong. That's, you know. And so I, I'm not the example, the, the, the best example in this. But as believers... We, we've got to be so scrupulous in this. And, and just because everybody else in our area or in our work is, is doing that, it's not okay. You know, the Scripture makes it clear. If you break the law at one point, you've broken the whole law. The whole law. If you've stolen, if you've lied, if you've cheated, and, and so on. G.K. Chesterton said this, Christianity came in startlingly with a sword and, a, and clove one thing from another words, and, uh, from another, in other words, cut it apart like a cleaver. It divided the crime from the criminal. The criminal we must forgive unto 70 times 7. The crime we must not forgive at all. Do you get it? In other words, you don't overlook wrongdoing. The one who, one who does the crime, we, we forgive. We must be much more angry with theft than before, and yet much kinder to thieves than before. Do you, do you see what he's saying? Our sensitivity to these kinds of things should grow. Now let me just give you a, a, a few other common examples. Cheating in school. Stealing ideas and presenting them as your own. Plagiarism. 
not paying your debts, cheating on taxes, either not fully reporting or hiding something, dishonest business practice. In other words, if you have, you could change something that's dishonest and you don't, or if you look the other way when you know it's going on. Copying music or movies that we haven't paid for. Yeah, I know, this is getting close to home, isn't it? You're stealing from the artists there. Violating copyrights. One of the churches I served, we, uh, at the end of the service, we sang a benediction, and it was beautiful. I wish we could do it here. At, at the end of every service, we sang, May the Lord Mighty God bless and keep you forever. And it was to the tune of Edelweiss from The Sound of Music. And everything was going along fine until I saw an article, and the article said, uh, that's copyrighted, and, and it's actually been tested, and Rogers said, no, they may not use it for that. Nobody can use that tune for, uh, and, and put any other words to it. And those that have followed him have, uh, have held to that. And so the next Sunday, we didn't sing it anymore. We, we just had to explain. You know, it, it, it's not worth it. It's beautiful. We, I miss it. But it would be stealing since we know this and now uh, we would be violating it. Now, I'm just listing some of those because as followers of Christ, I could, I could stand here and list a, a lot of things, but we must be the most sensitive people around to obedience to God. Not because it earns us something with Him or earns us salvation. It's because we are children of the living God that we should act differently. You see? Your identity is not that I'm not a thief that's not an identity. Your identity is I'm a child of the living God and my actions are therefore I will not steal. That's how it works. So don't get those backwards in terms of uh, how we understand these. Now, one, one for another thing to grasp is that stealing not only violates the right to ownership, it violates the law of love. And I know that Adam preached on uh, our, our verse of the year last week. It's loving our neighbors as ourselves. In other words, if you steal from your neighbor, you're not. You're not keeping that law of love, loving them as yourselves. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what if you have stolen? And some of you, God has pointed out something, and not necessarily something I mentioned, but something else you've thought, oh, you know, I kind of knew that. And, and God has, has brought it to your mind today. What if, 
What if that's the case? Well, let me mention one further thing so we understand the impact of this. God talks about ownership from his perspective, and he says this in 1 Corinthians 6, 19. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Remember when I mentioned earlier, you know, if you've, if you've been stolen from, the, the oftentimes the feeling of violation and nothing's quite the same. Understand that God is saying, you, my people, you're not your own. You're mine because the Lord Jesus bought you on the cross. And so when you take your heart from him, you're stealing from him as well. But I do want you to remember this as we go to the Lord's table. Jesus was crucified between two thieves. Between two thieves. I, I, I tried to figure out, and I, I, I thought, well, this will be great if I can figure this out. Why, why thieves? Why not murderers? Why not, you know, abusers? Why not, you know, something that people see as the most despicable thing? I don't know. They might have been those things too. But I think that's not the point. I think the point is this. What happened to the two thieves? They both knew they were thieves. The one who asked for forgiveness was forgiven. And so that's, in essence, where we are. Where, if I'm a thief, I'll be the one that scoffs at that and says, no, I can justify it. I, you know, it's not really stealing. Or the other thief that was penitent, that was sorry for being a thief. And that's the one Jesus said, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. So it's not unpardonable. And that's what we celebrate at this table, is that there is forgiveness. If you're a thief, don't steal anymore. But seek forgiveness from the one on that middle cross, the Lord Jesus, who died for thieves like us. This is what the Scripture says about this table. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. In other words, if, if you want to be that thief that doesn't want to repent, he's speaking to you here. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. The invitation and the warning. The invitation to the thief who seeks a Savior. And the warning to the thief who thinks he can justify himself. And it's for us. If you're trusting in Christ alone for your eternal life, if you have repented before Him, He says, come. And then as you eat and as you drink, you rejoice because this will remind you of what it took of me, of the Lord Jesus, to grant you forgiveness. And so if, like these young people in front of us, you have publicly professed your faith, you are welcome at this table. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, will you take these elements and set them apart from their ordinary, everyday use? Will you grow us with these morsels these drops by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.